You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the Cosmic Pizza Podcast, the show of all sorts that sorts all by serving up a slice of life. What is your order? Ah, I see. The special it is. We'll be there to deliver ASAP. one of the three hosts of the Cosmic Pizza podcast. With me today are my fearless friends. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I bought that USB microphone and held it aloft and said those magic words, I want a podcast! Along the way, many of our listeners have joined us. Only three others share this secret. My friends, Paul in the UK, and Sean in Canada, and of course, the ESO Network. Together we defend your ears from the evil forces of boredom. And today, it's Dan's turn to talk about cartoons of his childhood. Not that he ever grew up. Hello and welcome to the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. I'm guessing Paul was possibly put in the thing I pre-recorded where it sounded like I was in He-Man at this point, or he's going to do it after we do this intro. I don't know. Uh, but um, yes, uh, um, welcome to the Cosmic Pizza Podcast, the show of all sorts, the sorts all, where we serve up a delicious slice of life. And this is the third slice in the series of cartoons of our childhood. I'm Dan in the UK, and joining me as always is... Paul in the UK. And Sean in Canada. And in today's delicious slice of life, the pressure is on. As we've already had two episodes in this series, and they are groundbreaking. They are record-breaking in terms of our episodes, because they're already in our top 15 as far as listeners. So it cl- it's clearly a popular subject. Uh, and now it's just me here to ruin it for you, uh, because they've already covered all the really decent stuff that I watched as a child. And they had all the really good picks. So I'm just going to do the obscure stuff and see how maybe two or three people want to de- download this episode and, and listen to it. Um, so, uh, yay. Uh, anyway, before we get started, how are you guys? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm not the, the leftover host this week. So uh, that's that's you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can just put my feet up, relax, listen to you two guys talk about stuff. I have no idea what you're on about. <laughs> We're talking about cartoons, you know, music we listen yeah. to in the vehicle. Oh, yeah. right, yes, that's, that, that's what it is, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the one. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, basically, we're here to listen to the cartoons that my grandkids watched, and therefore Dan watched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't got any grandkids, but you know. you're, you're, no, you're no. that old, are you? <laughs> <laughs> nearly got one. Nearly got one, but that's <laughs> sort of got one. <laughs> <laughs> but well yeah um that's what we're listening to so um 
uh, we're going to be talking about all kinds of cartoons, just very obscure ones, because that's all that's left by the time we get to this one. So uh, I'm going to go chronologically, just like you guys did. And I'm going to start in the 1970s, because we pretty much covered everything that I saw in the 50s and 60s in uh, Paul's episode, because of Watch With Mother tapes, and all of that was kind of sorted out that way. Surely, Daniel, Uh, too young for the 1970s. I am too young for this 1970s. Thank you very much for noticing, Paul. It's that cream that's working. Real the late, twice uh, a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, I've got my uh, upbringing in the 1970s. I have a, a, a certain man, a man with a van, a man with a uh, VHS rental van that uh, to thank for this, because uh, back in the day, back in the 80s, back where I used to live, there was a guy with a red van who would go rent, uh, deliver VHSs and you could literally just pick a VHS cassette from the back of the van, rent it for a week and he'd come around and pick it up at the end. And that's how I got to sort of see different kinds of movies. And um, he did quite a good business with it. And if you really liked the tape and you'd hide it three times in a row, he gave you like a discount offer so you could buy the, the tape off him for less than what he bought because obviously it's already been played and it's already gone through. Um, so uh, most of these are actually tapes I bought and watched religiously and just wore the tape down until it was nothing. Um, so the 70s are pretty much that. And it uh, starts with the Phantom Tollbooth. Has anyone heard of the? It's more of a movie than it is a, a cartoon series, but it could be watched in different parts because there's different things that happen in the Phantom Tollbooth. Any ideas what it might be? No, 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 it sounds like a horror film. (laughs) It's actually based on a book. It's actually a book that we studied at school, actually, for a a short time. Um, And the animation is actually done by Chuck Jones and all the people who did the Looney Tunes. So it's very familiar. If you know your Marvin the Martian, your Bugs Bunny, it's all very similar animation. May I call you talk? It's about time I had a friend. It's about time. Time. But time is your friend. Time marches on, time and tide wait for no man. Time, 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 time is a gift, fleeting and swift, ticking and talking itself away, itself away of saying better beware. But the idea is there's a boy named Milo who is a loner. He's completely alone in the real world. And when the movie starts for the first five minutes, it's set in real life. And then he gets home, he's on his own, his parents are out, and there's a mysterious box, a, a large present in the front room. And he sort of presses a little button, a little tag, and it opens up into this toll booth, and a small car pops out, and he gets into the car and drives forward, only to become animated, and goes into this animated world of weird and wonderful adventures. Very sort of Alice in Wonderland, but much more modern day. Um, He goes to a land of letters and learns all about the kingdom of letters and words. He goes to a, a land of numbers, and it's all about them, and apparently they're at war with each other. Uh, so he tries to bring them together. He has a friend called TikTok, who is a, a, a dog with a clock in his stomach, who tells him all about time. And this might be where Paul wants to put in the song about uh, the time you need to have the time of your life. My favourite song from the whole thing. Uh, but there's loads of other adventures, and, and uh, uh, it's a wonderful, also very quaint, cute movie. I just wondered if you'd seen it, but I guess you haven't. No, no, fair enough. No, 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 no. Well worth a look. It was released in 1970, so it's the most earliest in the chronological watch as we go through. Now, the next one, you've probably not heard of this franchise. It's so 
so unknown really most people don't really talk about it anymore um it's called the star trick star star trek the an- animated series no uh, i mean it goes... something with ants no An- yeah Ant- yeah animated. That, sounds, yeah. that sounds kind of weird i think you're making things up yeah i think is, so yeah is this sort of, some sort of trek through the stars could that's be. it i think you're getting it you may not have seen it but i think you're getting the concept straight away yeah no, it was the animated series. It was actually something again that was. It was on BBC Two, but I kept on missing it because it was very, very early in the morning. So again, the man in the red van had a tape of the VHS of the the first five episodes, I think it was. So I got to know those really, really well uh, as later came into the animated series. But yeah, nineteen seventy three, the animated series. You're, you're creeping me out here. The man in the red van. It just sounds <laughs> unsavory. I know. <laughs> Thinking back but on it, and when I was making my notes, about people like, like that, <laughs> come into my van. I have some Tom and Jerry videos you might want to see. <laughs> I was the only kid left on the street. Hmm. That's strange. Um, <laughs> I wasn't interesting enough to be abducted. And you, um, might, and you might find a golden ticket inside one of the VHS cassettes. <laughs> <laughs> Come to the factory and see how films are made. Possibly go wrong. <laughs> yeah. My friends, the Oompa Loompas, they'll take care of you. Hmm. Uh, but yes, the animated series is, is the thing I got uh, on the next on, on my list. But um, I mean, any thoughts on the animated series? I know you guys must have seen a few of these episodes. You know what? I, I didn't see it until about 12 or 13 years ago. Wow. I only I, I've got it all on one of my shelves, but... I only saw the first two episodes about 2015 when I started doing 10 forward. Somebody um, lent me the, <clears throat> uh, gave me the um, <clears throat> recordings of them. And uh, <laughs> I watched the first two and I thought, oh, this is just too painful. I can't watch it. I keep meaning to go back to it and watch it because I, I really should watch Because the stories are good. There's nothing wrong with the stories. It's, mm, yeah. Uh, the animation was a, bit, a little bit jarring. But um, <laughs> yes, I really need to go back and watch it. I've been I saying think, that for years too. I've seen about half of them. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> it's it is hard, and they make you very sleepy. I don't know about you, but every time I try and rewatch them, I get very tired after about ten minutes because the the look of the animation is so blocky and it jars. It's you have to kind of take a break, go and get a coffee, and come back to finish off the episode, even though they're really really tiny. But I know they've got they've got some aliens in there that they've actually taken from um, other. Uh, stories from other science fiction uh, books and things so it's mm-hmm. almost like a crossover and there's some some um, really really good um, uh, science fiction characters in there Cations for example and, and um, mm. species like that so yeah I really want to sort of look at it because they could, they could do theoretically they used to be able to do more with animation and you could of course with um, with, with, with standard uh, film and, uh, and what have you Although I did hear something on a, um, a podcast the other day where they were saying there was a TV version of a film, and I can't remember which one it was now. Which one was it? Oh, Event, was it Event Horizon. No, it was something along. Um, it was a science fiction film, and they, they made it into an animated series, and it cost them more to animate the suits and the backpacks. So they gave them uh, like very thin suits just to make it easier to draw. So it was more expensive to put that on on the uh, cartoons than it was to put it on the films. It was cheaper to make <laughs> the actual thing in the film. I think you're talking about uh, Muppet Trek, where uh, Stephen German were talking about the animated series. Oh, yes. It might well have been. Yeah. 
Yeah, I knew I'd heard it somewhere. Of course, it must. It's the only other podcast I ever listened to. Of course, it must have been theirs. That makes sense then. <laughs> With the old life belts, absolutely. Just draw a little glowy that line around it. the characters. Yes. It's so much easier. Yeah. Well remembered. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Muppet Trust people. Thank yeah, you. exactly. So thank you. Uh, but obviously, I, I didn't watch that too much later in the 80s because of getting the VHS tape and everything like that. So it wasn't the first introduction to Star Trek. So chronologically, it's the first to come out, but it's something that I watched afterwards. It's uh, timey wyminess. Who would do that with the Star Trek series? Um, going on in the 1970s, uh, chronologically speaking, we're going to go to uh, another movie, uh, sort of an animated movie, but it's The Water Babies. Has anyone heard of the Water Babies from 1978? No, I don't think so. No. Okay, fair enough. Um, it's uh, it is a movie. However, when it was released over here in the UK, the Channel Four bought the rights, and because it is a musical, they actually chopped up all the different musical bits into small um, side adventures. So you could actually watch it as a series of cartoons. Uh, Channel Four first thing in the morning. So even though it is a movie, you could actually watch it in instalments over the course of a week or so uh, because it's a musical and it's quite easy to do. Um, the idea is that, again, it starts off in real life, but it is set in the 19th century. A chimney sweep is sort of brought in by James Mason, who is this roguish man. James who Mason. Is, he wants to steal the, uh, the, uh, the, the silverware from all of these country houses. So he takes on this uh, small boy as the chimney sweep and he's going to sweep the chimneys whilst he distracts the, the owners of the country village. Then James Mason can steal all of the silverware with the help of another man we've mentioned in previous cartoons, Bernard Cribbins. Uh, he is Waterman, uh, who is basically his sort of sidekick. He's the bumbling sidekick who's taking all the silverware out the window whilst uh, James Mason is uh, plying his trade. Uh, but he blames it on the chimney sweep chimney sweep does a runner he runs out to this lake forms into the lake and then goes into this magical other world where the water babies are these creatures these human mermaid type creatures who are being enslaved by the evil french sharks and uh, he has to liberate the water babies from the evil french sharks and you know they're evil french sharks because they're sharks with tiny little mustaches that curl around their noses <laughs> and they speak in french accents, of course um but Absolutely. And along the way, obviously, uh, the chimney sweep um, uh, befriends a set of polar bears who are from um, uh, they're from Liverpool, Manchester, Birmingham, but also weirdly Cockney as well. So they're from all over the UK or at least England. I don't think they do. A Mainly because they could, that's the only accents the actors could do. The really thick, <laughs> probably the, the Scouse and the, <laughs> the Cockney, you know. 
<laughs> then he befriends a lobster who is Scottish, and uh, then there there comes one of my favourite songs, which is High Cocklemoran, which is basically like their kind of uh, their their song, which is basically like anything goes. It's always good to, to have a good time when you're on this adventure. So j- just before we got, uh, the podcast started, Dan had sent me a, 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 a list of links to all of these um, musical interludes or. Uh, theme tunes to all of the uh, programs he was telling me about and the, I was very quickly downloading them and, and looking at them and the water babies came up and it's uh, before I could even download it it started playing on YouTube and it said James Mason I thought wow James Mason that's, he's a big actor you know well, this is incredible Bernard Cribbins oh my goodness Bernard Cribbins whoa then he got Billy Whitelaw who was a, a big uh, female star of the 70s David Tomlinson bed knobs mm-hmm. and broomsticks and various uh, mm-hmm. you know films like that and then you're talking about the um, the Scottish uh, lobster, John Pertwee, Doctor Who himself, yeah. followed by Lance Percival, David Jason, and Una Stubbs. This is this cast is Una amazing. Stubbs, oh, Una it Stubbs. is an incredible movie. It's well yeah. worth it. Yeah, absolutely mm. amazing. Yes, John Pertwee used to sing in in Scottish in this really thick <laughs> Scottish accent, which would drop out every now and again. So you recognise him. Uh, <laughs> yes, hi, we'll play hi, that here. Hi, hi, love it, absolutely, That's amazing, love song. it. It's a wonderful song. It's a really sort of melancholy movie and really quite a downer in some respects because, uh, you know, you've got all the, the chimney sweep, the real history of chimney sweeps and things like that. And then you've got this wonderful fantasy going on at the same time. Hey, I got a lorum, Toby. What's hey, cock a lorum? Well, for me, it's spice to eat, free beer and somewhere to sleep warm when it rains. Oh, that hey, cock a lorum. Oh, I killed that one. Hey, cock Means lots of things to me. A Saturday night in Glasgow, a lassie on my knee. The swirl of a kilt, a magic lilt, of a healing pipe and drum. Oh, it's really grand, oh, you understand. It's pipe cry up the lump. And we friends along to sing a song and bring a wee wee charm. It's guts way, hot belly, hey, cock Having played that clip there, I defy anybody to actually understand what, uh, outside of the UK, in fact, outside of Scotland, to understand what John Pertwee said. Any word, anyway, just pick a word and tell me if you recognised it at all. It is English, honest. Sort of English. Subtitles will be provided afterwards. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Water Babies, uh, I would ask anyone to go and uh, try and find a copy of this because it's very hard to get hold of now um and just like the next thing that's on my list which uh <laughs> let's see if i can get this right guy king dino mech guy king or divine demon dragon guy king depending on your translation <laughs> This is part of uh, the Force 5. So basically, uh, when uh, Battle of the Planets came out, it proved that you could sell Japanese anime to the Western market. So loads of companies got on the bandwagon and thought, right, what's all the other properties that Japan's got? Let's sell it to other uh, things. And Force 5 was a collection of five different anime programs, all with a different sort of theme, but around sort of mechs. It was like Voltron and things like that, those kinds of things, but it was like the low-rent version of Voltron. And the one that stood out for me was Gaikin, uh, with the amazing space dragon, flying space dragon space station that could go round the planet and protected us from these aliens called the Zela. And the Zela would come to Earth and they were trying to awaken 
large monsters buried in the earth from millions of years ago that they put there so that they could migrate this dealer space race over to earth and then have a new home world and they come here they awaken the monsters to kill off what's out already living on earth and then the zealer can take over and this space dragon the guy king is the thing that earth has put into place to protect us from all of these monsters in the zealer and um, the dragon doesn't actually do the fighting it's basically like an aircraft carrier inside it are all these different um uh, robots in later iterations, it becomes sort of dinosaurs. It's very kind of Power Rangers. And you can sort of see that there's a Triceratops one and a T-Rex one and sort of things. But it started off with this warrior, this basic um, knight who takes the head of the dragon as his chest piece. There's like pieces and arms and legs that fly together and assemble themselves. And he is the fighting unit. He basically goes out and fights these monsters. And it was just amazing. It blew my mind that you could have all of these robots and aliens and all kinds of weird stuff. There's a giant um, a praying mantis thing that they fight, all kinds of stuff. And then there are a family who run this dragon this space dragon and it was just brilliant it was just uh, completely staggering i'd never seen anything before and probably will never see anything like it ever again any i ring any no, bells no nope. not at all no nope. not even a little bit you may recognize the name of the person who brought force five over and it's saban so the people who actually gave us all of uh, power rangers and things another 20 years after this they're the ones who were the first one to sort of bring more of japanese anime over to the uk and western markets so uh speaking again of anime then you've got my last entry for the 70s which is ulysses 31 and i really hope you play the theme tune on this one because i love bopping along and uh walking to this one because this is proper techno disco over-the-top rock and roll kind of soundtrack. Uh, but Ulysses, Ulysses. so good such a good song um but it's basically just the story of ulysses the whole um homer odyssey and uh, the epic uh, poems just updated to the 31st century and ulysses has defied the gods who still exist for some reason uh, and have sent him to an alternate dimension galaxy thing he's got to find his way to hades or the planet hades so that he can prove himself and get back to our universe and get back to earth uh, all the while protecting his crew who are frozen into time by the gods and it's just him his son two aliens who accompany him and a very cute little red robot who follows them around and ulysses i mean it's light swords jetpacks uh there's the main guy looks like a member of the bgs uh it was actually it was actually a french cartoon that was reanimated in i believe japan and then sold and distributed around the world um so it's a it's along the same lines as anime as well that that is a, a cut i would like to see an edit i would like to see ulysses you <laughs> la ha, 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 sees you know, that would be just amazing you know the bgs do space pirates or something like that. <laughs> from all the bits i remember i think there is a disco ball in pretty much every episode so it would that, not far it, yeah. off to be run fair. away run away we need to stay alive stay alive <laughs> 
he's shooting me, he's shooting me. <laughs> he just throws a space cape over people and that's how he gets away with it all the time. <laughs> um, but that's it for the 70s. I, I'm guessing you guys have not heard any of those things. Ulysses I've heard only, of, but I haven't seen. I've only heard of Ulysses because you've mentioned it before. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. It's so good. Um, yeah, so we're going to go into the 80s, my decade. I finally am born in this decade. So I, these are things I actually saw as they were coming out and as they were happening. Uh, we already mentioned Danger Mouse, but I had to say it again because it's such a good cartoon. But Danger Mouse, uh, it's basically James Bond, but he's a mouse and he lives under a, uh, a post box in the middle of London with his famous flying yellow car and uh, with his sidekick. And uh, yeah, that, he saves the day every day. He's he's the greatest. He's fantastic. Wherever there is danger, he'll be there. Danger Mouse. There you go. So if you <laughs> There's see nothing him, more keep- I could say. If you see him, keep him away from him. <laughs> That's going to be too dangerous standing by that mouse. The main reason I love it is that uh, I have a very long-standing memory where my aunt had a dog who would actually um, sort of howl at the theme tune. So when it was do 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 do, the dog would basically go along with it because he just he was either dri- driven nuts by the theme tune or he loved it so much i can't quite tell uh, but yeah so it always reminds me of rags the dog who was howling along with the theme tune i i get the impression uh, that that danger mouse i might have seen back in this when did it come out danger mouse was it the 80s uh, eight, it's 81 to 92 oh, no, it's no, actually no. the longest running of all the cartoons i was looking into I, I was 11 years mighty mouse over here uh, a different mouse mighty mouse ah, was the opera singing right. superhero yeah yeah okay so that mighty mouse is what i'm thinking of because i remember seeing um a flying mouse um yeah. but it was on a it was in a cine film because somebody oh. i don't know who it was but somebody uh who uh, one of my friend's father had a a, a cine and a cine projector is what i'm looking for um and we, I think we were around for, you know, for his birthday one day, and he and he played Mighty Mouse, uh, nice. which I don't think had sound. I don't, I don't even think it had sound. <laughs> and he played it, and we all loved it, and it was great. And then he reversed the film, and it just blew our minds because suddenly he was going backwards, and he was everything was you know he was flying back down to the ground, and then he get changed. Oh, it's just amazing. We'd never seen anything like that before in our lives. It was hilarious. So yeah, but that was that was must have been in the seventies. Mid, mid to mm. early, early to mid seventies. Here I come to save the day. Is that the one? Is that Mighty that's, Mouse? That's Mighty Mouse. Yeah. That's not Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse, completely different. Yeah. Uh, totally different mouse. Yeah. Totally different mouse. <laughs> it was uh, voiced by uh, David Jason over here, who is a well-known name over here. Uh, he was the voice of Del Boy from uh, Only Fools and Horses, the big sitcom that everybody in the UK can quote no matter what um and he before he got only falls he was well known as kind of a voice actor in lots of different cartoons he was count duckula for a while it, there was loads of other characters that came along as well uh count duckula is the vegetarian uh vampire duck that's a cartoon all to its stuff um and there was actually a character introduced in danger mouse so it kind of he just got himself a second gig whilst he was also doing another one uh, but it's actually the longest running of all the cartoons that i watch uh, because 81 to 92, then it took a break, then it got rebooted a little bit later in the 90s, and then it's got rebooted again just this decade, uh, and they've just brought it back onto the BBC as well, and it's it's doing gangbusters again. So it's just a great format. It's just very silly, over the top, and uh, sort of that British kind of uh, weird humour just takes the mickey out of stuff. Lots of visual gags as well. 
another one uh, you guys might have seen or heard of at least uh dungeons and dragons the tv show it was from uh, 83 yes. to 85 yeah i do re- i do remember watching some of that as a kid yep a- any thoughts that's uh that's 40 years ago i don't remember much of Paul, had you heard of the fact that there was a TV show for it? No, I, the only the first time I heard of Dungeons and Dragons was probably about 1987, 88, somewhere around there, when somebody invited me around to play the, you know, the obviously the role play, playing game. But other than that, no. I mm. see. I got into it. I hadn't heard of the game at the time. I think I've still got the sticker book, the old sticker book that's somewhere on a uh, buried Ooh, shelf from, somewhere. From like yeah, like the old uh, yeah Panini ones where you, you could actually build up all the different bits and pieces. Really great. Um, but uh, it was very sad because these kids get sucked into the Dungeons & Dragons world. They have like this Yoda-type figure who gives them all different powers. They all have different roles. Uh, it lasted for two years, but apparently the kids never got home. They got home a couple of times inside the series, but had to return to the must- magical world or something like that um, to uh, basically just... You know, make sure that the bad guys never didn't actually win um but they never got home in the end it was a very sort of quantum leap kind of ending there yeah i was just gonna say they they were hoping the next uh, adventure would be the adventure home but it wasn't to be Mm. that's sad they they needed a man in a red band to deliver them i know (laughs) they did they absolutely did (laughs) but but you know what you don't need a red um but you know what you don't need a man in a red band to deliver this promo for another podcast right here on the ESO Network. Yay! <laughs> <sighs> Who does it better than us? Nobody. <laughs> if you were a monster kid growing up, if you enjoyed Saturday mornings watching monster movie matinee, or staying up all night watching the midnight feature, then Monster Attack is the podcast for you. We not only look at classic old monster movies, we share our experience growing up as a monster kid. Join us every Monday for Monster Attack. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a very quick one. Um, I'd never actually watched the cartoon show, but I was forced to watch this movie over and over and over and over again to the point where I actually started to love it. And it's the My Little Pony, the movie from 1986. Oh, I can't um, believe that you made me download the My Little Pony theme tune and it <laughs> failed. <laughs> it, I tried, I tried really hard and it just, it failed the download. So I couldn't. So I'm sorry, I don't have that music to play. So, yeah. Oh, I know. Bad. And the, the song was You Can't Stop the Smooths, which is basically like this weird purple goo thing, which is taking over the Pony Kingdom and it's destroying all of life around it. And uh, I think the ponies had to go off and, and find five pieces of like a love heart or something and combine it together. And the power of love would push the schmooze back. I don't remember the whole plot, but um, <laughs> I just remember loving it and watching it over and over again. And you can't stop the smooths got stuck in my head. It was that song. The, the only thing that stuck in my head about that movie is that song. And yeah, um, I can't believe you didn't get the download because people need to hear it. So it gets stuck in their head as well. I'll I'll try it again, but you know it really is something that should be banned from any cosmic pizza podcast. I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, there were lots of other cartoons that came along around about that time as well, and they were all kind of the same idea based on the same thing. Now, uh, you, I think Paul mentioned something about the Herb Garden. Mm-hmm. Yes, where the herbs, you're yeah. down 
down in the herbs you had the garden each of the herbs has an own their own personality and sort yes. of that was sort of like a format that got copied a lot during the 80s and the two that really stood out for me were shoe people basically every shoe had its own personality and the Poddington Peas where yes. basically all the different peas had a different personality down at the bottom of the and it was basically the same format you went into a room a garden a place some Thing, you went through a portal and you went into their version of their world and you know yeah, the old Wellington boot had one particular personality trait and everything like that and it was all kind of the same program after that yeah that's right I mean, one, of the, one of the shoes was a policeman and uh, yes I seem to remember it had I've heard of Poddington Peas, but I've not actually seen it when mm. I was downloading it before I thought mm, I know the name but I don't recognize it but yes shoe people did seem to ring a bell funny enough people yeah um it's all the same show it, it, there's no delineation between the two they <laughs> they just wanted to copy the format until something stuck and it was just the same as smurfs or anything like that there's a village of characters uh, where are we gonna go next straight to hell there we go <laughs> no straight to heaven because we're gonna deal with my absolute favorite the cartoon the cartoon of cartoons the one that is my absolute favorite and i could easily talk about it for hours and it is and the masters of the universe i am adam prince of eternia and defender of the secrets of castle grayskull this is cringer my fearless friend fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day i held aloft my magic sword and said by the power of grayskull That was the intro that I did at the beginning because I always wanted to, to say I wanted the power and I have the power and I collected the toys, I collected the, the t-shirts and everything about He-Man and the Master of the Universe is just everything. Oh, it's just, it's all consuming, He-Man. When they said they were going to reboot it and Kevin Smith was going to remake it, I was there. I didn't care what it was, I was going to go in for it. Absolutely loved He-Man. It was the uh, the original love. That was my my big sort of franchise. That was my fanboy uh, side to myself. You know, the 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 idea that you had science and magic combined together on this planet that's at the center of the universe, and whoever holds the power sword will have the power, and they will protect uh, the you know the entire universe from the forces of evil. And Skeletor is the one who wants to possess it. But on top of like that basic premise there's all these other stories they took the time to develop characters you had Teela who was this orphaned character who, you know there's lots of intrigue about where she actually came from 
then you find out who her mother is and Manatoms, who's actually her adopted father then reveals everything about it um you have orko who is a orphaned wizard from another dimension and this whole thing's about his backstory and then you find out about his mother being a human who was actually a nasa restaurant who came through a portal and crash landed and he's actually you know he-man is actually half human and half eternian so he's like a mixed race and there was all things about there and no one accepted him at first and then of course you have a character called this man and uh there you go Fisto. No, yes. never heard of it. No, no. he's got a, he's a giant with a giant fist who just says that he loves to fist people. Don't remember. No, no. Not going to touch that one. No, fair enough. Okay. But it was, it was that they had, they took all the time to create all of these wonderful characters and backstories. And then you have a character called Visto who just wants to fist people. This is ridiculous. Uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. From 1983 to 85, it is the original cartoon. It is the one that breeded everything. Or whenever you have a cartoon and then a toy line to go with it, He-Man was the thing that was being emulated. It was it was the start of it all. And it's the thing to probably blame for, you know, parents having to wait in long lines at Christmas to try and find the toy. Um, He-Man started it. Any thoughts on He-Man? Did you... I never watched it as a kid. No. I, I, oh. I knew... I knew kids who had it and that had the toys and I played with the toys and, Oh, there's Skeletor. I don't know who he is, but he must be the bad guy. And for whatever reason, I never came across it on TV. I don't know why. Yeah. It was just one, one of those of, things. Yeah, that's right. It was just at an age where I wasn't watching cartoons and that would come out. And I thought, no, that's not my style. Let the young kids buy all the toys and things. But mm-hmm. no, all I was doing was watching cartoons, but I never saw that. And I think I only saw Voltron when I went over to other people's houses. So, but with Thundercats, I don't know if you're going to be talking about mm. that, but that, that was my jam. Well, I knew you'd already mentioned Thundercats and that was your thing. So I didn't want to steal the thunder, but that was sort of the next obsession that that's the next one that came along. So He-Man was what started it for me. And then Thundercats came straight after, but I knew you'd already covered it in your episode. So I didn't want to tread on those, on those cat toes. It's perfectly fine. Tell me what you loved about it. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's the same idea. You know, you've got this big hero. He has a magical sword. He has to protect it against this weird sort of supernatural villain. Uh, so you've got Mumra and or Skeletor. They were very interchangeable, so I could easily move from one to the other. Mm, yes. um, I just loved it. I mean, the theme tune alone, you know, Thundercats are loose. You have to sing it. It's, you do. You has, do. Yeah. But uh, no, I, mean, I had to have everything he-man i mean my wallpaper was he-man i had the bedspread that was he-man i well i just i I could go on forever on about he-man i just absolutely love it um so uh to the to the day i die i always want to work on or design something for he-man so someday maybe i will um again after thundercats there came another show which you may not have heard of called the visionaries the knights of no mystical knights of light no basically uh, toys that were um knights but it's set far off in the future where science has failed and magic has taken back over again so it's set like a thousand years in the future and it's the merlin story and arthur all put into the future so like ulysses where it took the homeric uh, poems 
this took the Arthurian legend and put it in the future. But the characters and the toys were amazing because they all had these holograms that were buried into their chests. So as okay. you moved them around, they adapted and it looked like the animal was jumping out of their chest. Mm. And that was the premise. Every character had their own uh, sigil, their own animal, their spirit animal that would come out of them and imbue them with the power of that animal. Okay. okay, I've, I've seen the toys on uh, YouTube channels because mm -hmm. I'm always watching YouTube stuff about vintage toys and their value and stuff. And I've seen people talk about those. I, I never saw the show or saw the toys in real life, though. They were really good. They're, it was a really well sort of put together. Um, it was only lasted for 13 episodes. It was just one season. Uh, but they just took the Arthurian legend and went with it all the way to the end. It was really good. Penny Crayon. Penny Crayon can draw anything she likes Like cats and dogs and crocodiles and juggernauts and bikes But Penny's magic drawings are not like any other They walk and talk and come to life Creating lots of bother Scribble, scribble, in black clothes Drawers get broke, tiny clothes Pencils, crayons, make that pen Rub it out and start Eighty-nine to ninety that I've got written on here. Now it's very similar concept to a con cartoon you mentioned, Sean, about the kid who could draw, and it sort of came about or came to life. Pen Penny crayon was basically that, and it was she had a crayon, a magic crayon. She would draw anything; it would come to life, and they would go on a magical adventure that week mm -hmm. uh, until the. I think it until it rained. I think every time it rained, then it it sort of washed it away, and then the adventure would end. Um, very addictive kind of uh, theme tune. So you have to sort of, once you hear it, you start humming it all the time. Uh, Penny Crayon. Da, 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 da. Um, it, it was just one of those ones. It just sort of snuck in. It was always there. Whenever you put on the TV, just after getting home from school, it was just playing. You never really got into it and you didn't know, you know, what the episodes were, but you kind of just went along for the adventure. Um, it was fun. It was good. But the next big obsession after He-Man, after sort of transitioning through Visionaries, uh, was another one that I know Sean doesn't like, and it is the real Ghostbusters. It was mm. 1986 to 91, uh, all based on the movie. The first movie came out, and I absolutely loved that, and then find out that they're releasing a cartoon about it, so I went into that. I had the fire station. I had all of the aliens and the ghosts and everything else they were fighting, all the paradimensional demons and all this sort of thing, anything they would go after. I had my own Ecto uh, suits, and I've still got the characters up on the shelf as well, all four of the original Ghostbusters with their proton packs up there. Um, you know, the, the theme tune is obviously classic as well, but everyone knows the Ghostbusters theme tune. Um, the animation isn't great. I have rewatched it a couple of times, but it's fun. It's always good. You know, it's guys running around dusting ghosts. What's not to love? Staple. Yeah, I, I watched that cartoon quite a bit too. It's it's the actual hmm. live action movies that I can't stand. Yeah, I think it does lend itself more to a cartoon because you know, obviously you can animate ghosts and make them a little bit more sort of friendly or child friendly, should we say? Um so yeah, I can see how it would be a good uh, a good cartoon. Yeah, but I wasn't a big fan of the live action. See, they, this is another one where they've tried to reboot it a couple of times. He Man, they've done it that as well. They rebooted He Man in the early two thousands, and then they just recently with uh, Kevin Smith and Ghostbusters. They tried with the Extreme Ghostbusters about five years later, and oh god, they had lots of different characters, but the one that they had. I mean, I cringe to say it, but he was in a wheelchair and they called him Wheels. Oh, no. 
yeah, it was very, very cringy. And they didn't really do very well in updating it. It was very, very much, you know, the Poochie kind of cartoon. It was the Simpsons when they bring the Poochie in. And it just, it was very tokenistic. And they had characters who were designed to appeal to that group of kids. And then this one, the rebel over here, and it didn't really kind of work. Um, but I really hope that they update it sometime and actually pay sort of proper homage to it because it was such a good cartoon. Um, and they did some pretty crazy stuff with it. You know, you always had um, unusual animations. Like we was just saying with uh, Star Trek, the animated series, they, they really sort of uh, could do anything because they didn't have to pay for their budget to do it. So the Ghostbusters was able to take that format from the movie and really run with it and go for some crazy things. Like the, there's a baseball tournament in one episode where the Ghostbusters are fighting ghost versions of themselves in a place baseball ter- tournament, but in the ghost world. So yeah, everything has to bounce off everything else. It's very trippy, but really fantastic episode. Ah, okay. Speaking of trippy, <laughs> don't you enter that trap door from 1986 to 90. Did you see that? You saw the uh, the theme tune, Paul. I saw the theme tune and I, yeah, I thought it started off and I thought, is this a kid's thing or is it an adult thing? It was a little bit scary. I mean, obviously, we're playing the music now. Hello, children. Want to hear a nice bedtime story? So as you can see, I mean, that beginning part is all very I'm thinking, do I want to watch this? It's scary. I still have it on DVD. It's such a good show. Uh, again, silly British humour, uh, dad jokes all the way. The Actually, the blue guy, I know the listeners don't know about this, but the blue guy over Sean's shoulder. So Patrick on one side, there's a blue guy with sort of weird eyes, plasticine-looking character, just over your shoulder. Uh, that is uh, Burke. He's uh, basically the slave for him upstairs. Him upstairs is never seen the whole way through, and he—he's the master of the castle. And Burke is the guy who makes his meals, but he's also the guardian of the trapdoor. And it's all claymation. And every week, a new monster comes out the trapdoor, and he has to try and find a way of either trapping it or serving it to him upstairs as a meal. And it's really disgusting, and there's lots of dad jokes in it. And the, the same actor who does Burke also does Boney, who is the talking skeleton head who sits on the shelf and criticizing everything Burke does. Uh, he does all the other characters as well. Um, but it, it was just fascinating to me. And don't you ever open that trapdoor. And what's it called? It's called The, the Trapdoor. Trap yeah. I've got the DVD somewhere downstairs. I keep trying to play it to the kids, but they don't quite get into it. But oh, I, was, I was obsessed with Trapdoor. Well, when I come for a visit, you'll have yes. to throw it on. Yep, absolutely. A couple of beers, and it is the perfect way to watch Trapdoor. Um, Paul, had you actually heard of it? Or No, no, no. no, I, haven't, no. I haven't heard of it at all. A lot of these, well, I'm thinking, when, when were these on? What channel were they on? Because I just do not remember them at all. Don't remember anybody talking about them or anything. What about the Ragged Dolls from eighty six to ninety four? It's not much of a life. 
This one lasted quite a while. No? Nope. nope. This, one, this one was very sweet. Uh, it was about a collection of six dolls who were the rejects from the factory. So they're the ones where the, the machinery didn't make them correctly. There's a princess doll who didn't have a princess dress and her part of her arm is torn. There's uh, the backwards man who's basically his arms and legs were sewn on the wrong way around. So he walks backwards no matter where he goes. Um, there's loads of other characters as well, but these are a series of rejects who are not like everybody else. And the theme tune is very, very sweet. And it's like, you know, um, uh, life is so much more, even when you're not a pretty face. And it was all about being the outsider. And it was such a lovely, sweet cartoon about these poor little dolls who would go on adventures uh, because they got re rejected by the people who made them. And it was very, very, very sad and very sweet, but it was quite a nice uplifting cartoon in the end because at the end they would always learn a lesson about being good friends or always understanding or listening to people um and you know it's one of those ones i feel like lots of people forgot about and kind of could be brought back today quite easily to finish off the 80s there are two cartoons that i'm pretty sure i'm the only person in the universe who seems to actually remember because anytime i bring it up in conversation everyone's like never heard of this one so i'm going to try it on you guys um before trump made space force there was the original space force starcom the u.s space force starmax and star wolf I had heard of it uh, okay. and when I was downloading the, the uh, theme tune for it, which we're playing now, uh, the intro looked very similar to Battle Beyond the Planets. Mm -hmm. It had a very similar feel to it. Yep. This was actually a NASA-sponsored cartoon called Starcom and the toys were amazing. You bought the video and you got a toy with it and then if you bought the whole set of videos, you got the toy three of the star cruisers and then like a little space station that goes with it and they were all magnetized so you could actually fly them but you'd have like the the astronaut being able to hang off of the rocket or the rocket could then combine with all the other rockets and they would magnetize together to form a much larger spaceship and it was an absolutely fantastic sort of toy line but with this really substandard cartoon to go with it um i actually liked the cartoon it was only uh, about eight episodes so that ever got released and then they made 12 but i think the other four never saw the light of day uh, but starcom the u.s space force was a nasa launch program to get kids into science and become astronauts and really sell the u.s pro space program just before the space shuttles were coming out uh, and really getting into sort of the public consciousness they wanted to use this as a vehicle to sort of push real science on kids um but it was actually a pretty good 
generic kind of space adventure. It was very Star Warsy. There was an evil space corps out there who were always trying to ruin the day, and you know the Starcom Space Force come along and save it and do something heroic uh, because they jump in a space shuttle and shoot something. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, anytime I bring it up, nobody seems to remember it. Maybe if I saw it, but yeah, no. the name doesn't sound familiar. Well worth it. And the toy line was pretty amazing. Um, the next one is Captain N, or depending on where you come from, Captain Nintendo. Welcome to Video Land. Wake up, Kid Icarus. Welcome to Castle It's Congo Land. Heard of it? Don't think I saw. No, uh, fighting motherboard, and basically Captain N was a teenager who was playing his NES, who got sucked into the TV, and basically goes into all the different worlds: uh, Castlevania, Congo Land. Uh, he, I think there was a crossover with Mario at one point, but any kind of the Nintendo properties, it was a way of selling the next game coming out that year. Um, it was fun, and motherboard was the one trying to take over this world and uh, you know own all of the games but uh, it was a good find and it was uh, basically their way of selling the light gun you know the light gun that came with the oldest nez for duck hunt and stuff yeah uh-huh. basically that was his thing he that was his weapon he got sucked into the game had the light gun he could shoot anything and it was good fun it was a nice fun sort of tiny cheek cartoon even though it was just there to sell nintendos and that kind of seized me out of the 80s um i'm surprised actually you've heard of most of these uh, the one, the one, yeah, the one, the ones that I thought you had never heard of at all. I'm really surprised you guys had heard of them. But like I say, mostly 80s, you guys covered in your two episodes. So it was me just picking some very obscure ones. <laughs> uh, coming into the 80s, talking of obscure, these are even more obscure. Did you know that there was a cartoon series for Bill and Ted and Back to the Future? No, I did not. I think uh-huh. I knew it, but I've never seen it. Really good. Uh, Bill and Ted started off as an extension of the first movie, and then the second movie came out. The next season of Bill and Ted, they actually were able to travel into books and go into fictional worlds as well. So they got to meet fictional characters as well as historical ones. But uh, Bill and Ted's excellent adventures uh, in the cartoon, and it was a really good, fun way of expanding on the movies. Uh, it didn't really do very well. I think it only lasted for about a season. And the same with Back to the Future as well. Uh, set after the third movie came out, they just basically continued it. And Doc Brown came back to the normal time of 1980s in his um, train. And he's managed to build another DeLorean somehow. Hmm? I don't know. Um, and they because just go off and cartoon. It, it's a cartoon, exactly. Um, but it's Doc Brown with his family. And Marty is hanging out with Jennifer. And they go on adventures through time. That's it. Taking other properties as we're playing with it, Defenders of the Earth. Defenders of the Earth. Defenders. Out of the sky, his rockets ignite. Jets into battle, flying faster than light. Flash Gordon, Lord of the Jungle, the hero who stalks. The beasts call him brother, the ghost to Defenders of the Earth. Defenders. Master of magic spells and illusion. 
enemies crumble in fear and confusion. And drink. Defenders of the Earth. Defenders. Had you heard of this? Yes. I had. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> but I had, and I it, it struck a chord with me because I watched it and I thought, not only do I sort of recognise the theme, I seem to recognise the characters. So mm -hmm. I must have seen some of them, but I couldn't honestly say when or where or, or tell you anything about them other than that. This was, again, uh, the 90s trying to catch up on the 80s. After you'd had all your He-Mans who were having their toy line and you've got the cartoon to go with it, this was taking older properties that this company had already owned and was going to try and make a toy line out of it. So Flash Gordon, the Phantom, uh, Mandrake, the, the magician, who was like a 1930s sort of strip character, comic strip character in a newspaper during the Depression and into the 30s. Uh, there were several other characters as well, but they are teaching their younger generation, their kids or sort of adopted kids, the new ways of saving the world from Ming the Merciless, who wants to take over the universe. And yet Defenders of the Earth uh, with a really catchy um, title theme music where it was just Defenders of the Earth. And that was it. That was all it was. Um, such a it's such a weird concept to just sort of take old characters and just think, eh, they could work together. Let's throw them all together. Um, but it kind of worked. And I'd often wondered if you'd heard of it. I had. No. Right. no. Uh, then there were other things again. You've already mentioned Sean in the, your episode because I, I went back and listened. You already mentioned Batman, the animated series, mm. Amazing Spider Man, and the X Men, the 90s TV show. So we don't really have to go back over those ones, but they were just, they were cemented. They are the best of animation. They, they were the huge. 90s. Yeah. They are absolutely mad. Anything I know about Spider-Man comes from that Spider-Man cartoon. Anything I know about Batman, that's that cartoon as well. Mm -hmm. um, and X-Men, uh, the -na 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 -na, that theme tune, oh, it, yeah. it can't be topped. And there's a reason why they're bringing it back pretty much note for note um, now. They're rebooting it, but not just rebooting it. They're actually just bringing it back. They just don't see the point in trying to improve on it because it was just too good. There was a couple of other cartoons that sort of came out that I was... I was into, but again, like Sean was saying, only when I went to someone else's house did I actually get to watch it because it was normally on Sky. And people back then, when they could afford Sky, I went to their house because we <laughs> couldn't afford Sky. We had the Red Van Man. We can't afford Sky. <laughs> um, uh, but it was Bucky O'Hare and it was Mighty Max, which was based on the toy line. <laughs> So Mighty Max, uh, it was a little sort of boy character, superhero character, and he could travel through portals and you would buy that character, but he could fit into a sort of pocket thing that would open up into a rock world or an ice world, or it would be an aliens or robots. And it was uh, Polly Pocket was the, the girl version and Mighty Max was the boy version. No? No. It was a big toy line, uh, but again, they made a, ca a cartoon to sort of sell the next world. So every episode would be the next pocket to come out. 
Um, yeah, that was pretty much it. Uh, reboot. Anyone oh, yeah. heard of Reboot? Yeah. Enzo, was, yeah. Yeah. The first attempt to try make an entirely CGI cartoon. Uh, apparently, it's constantly trying to get rebooted itself. And they're yes. always trying to bring it back. Yeah, they did on Netflix not too long ago, a couple of years ago. Mm. But uh, the reason I like that show is because the main character's name was Enzo, and that's the name of my grandfather. Oh, there we go. Very cool. But yeah, it, it was was it two years of the original series, then it got cancelled on Canadian Broadcast TV? I believe so. And then it got brought back again, I think. Um, I was just trying to go through the history. It was very, very jumbled. And it kept on getting changed, changed of hands of who actually owns the rights and constantly coming back, then re- rebooted for a few years and then kind of gave up again. And they were always waiting for the CGI to kind of catch up to what they actually wanted to do with the story. So it kind of took a long time to really pull it all together. I mean, when you think of how many CGI characters there are and cartoons there are now, why they haven't tried again, I just feel like they, they should be able to do it by now. Uh, but yeah, it was the idea that there's a character, Enzo, who is looking after uh, the Tron light, um, and he just defends it against viruses and malware, basically. He said, an antivirus program, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, cashing in on more stuff is Earthworm Jim. Earthworm Jim! The soil he did crawl. Earthworm Jim! A super suit did fall. Jim was just a dirt eating, chewing link of worm flesh, but all that came to a crashing end. <laughs> Earthworm Jim! He's such a groovy guy. Earthworm Jim! He rockets through the sky, cruising through the universe, having lots of fun. Here comes Earthworm Jim, you know that he's a mighty one. Look out! Ah, I've heard of it. That wasn't a computer game. It was, it was a computer uh, game. Sega, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably why the show only lasted one year, because the computer game was such a huge success. Let's make a cartoon show. It was very funny. It was very stupid. It's a, basically a big earthworm who has a super suit who lands on top of him. He becomes a superhero, and he goes on many adventures through space. That's right. Yep. It lasted a year, and then the computer game went away, so the cartoon kind of went away as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then came uh, another obsession for me, and that's from 1990 to 96. It was Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Ah, uh, yes. I'm guessing you what? must have heard of it. Oh, of least, course. No? And when they come together, something happens. I can't remember what. But. Uh, wind, water, heart, go, planet! By your powers combined, I am Captain Planet. Captain Fire, earth, wind, water, and for some reason, heart is the fifth one. Yeah, I downloaded the, the well, we'll you listen to it right now, the theme tune. And, and this, you've got this girl going, wind! I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> have you got a problem? <laughs> Just eat some beans. Come on. Yes, beat up um, beans. I've got wind. Yeah. <laughs> 
But just like with Starcom, where NASA was trying to use a cartoon to get kids into science, this was called edutainment. So this was the idea that you could try and get kids into activism and protecting the environment by creating a superhero. And you are the one with the power. You can make a difference. Every episode, they were beating up some toxic crusader person, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it was, um, oh, God, uh, Duke Nukem, who spelt slightly different from duke nukem from the computer games so legally they are two different characters um and various other people um lots of trek alumni are in this one there's uh lavar burton who actually uh voiced one of the characters uh Whoopi goldberg is uh gaia who is basically like the, the goddess who brings the five together who gives them the power of the rings that creates captain planet um yeah just hammer over the head now when you look back at it but back then i was obsessed with it it was lots of vehicles kids you know trying to change the world they've got magical rings absolutely loved it and uh very very uh very 90s very much so i i saw lots of it mm. then there was more and more attempts to try and create something like captain planet or um uh, He-Man or Transformers and try and make a toy line did anyone happen to catch Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century nope <laughs> no <laughs> Sherlock Holmes Bring Sherlock Holmes back to life back to life it's elementary my dear Watson Along the same lines, the Defenders of the Earth basically take a property that's really old and has almost gone into public domain and try and make a cartoon out of it. Uh, It was a steampunk version of uh, Watson has managed to survive for 200 years. Basically, Watson lives for 200 years. And then they revive Sherlock Holmes, who got frozen in ice uh, fighting Dr. Moriarty uh, in the 19th century and they reawaken in the 22nd century and fight crime in the future. That was it. And of course you do. Exactly. And Moriarty survives apparently. I don't know. I think he clones himself. Um, but it was it was actually really good. It looked really funky and, and the steampunk element of it made it very uh, grungy and it was very 90s but it it kind of worked it just um, for some reason people didn't get to see it uh, and uh, I mean it's a really it's a real shame didn't go much further than that but you, no? you definitely can't keep Moriarty down because he's back in Star Trek Picard season three so exactly I am surprised because I mean the people who made Star Trek and made those episodes they got into a lot of legal trouble using that character but this cartoon didn't seem to have that problem because nobody's heard of it yeah probably yeah they they kind of slipped under the radar but it was along the same lines uh did you ever see the the young james bond there was another cartoon that was young james bond it was basically the exact same premise james bond has a child child then sort of becomes the next james bond but he's got all the cars the gadgets but it's slightly updated so it's supposed to be in the future but i think it was set in like 2016 (laughs) that was it um uh there's lots of other Nick Jr. or Nickelodeon cartoons at this time. Um, you've got uh, Johnny Bravo. One, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> Way there. 
the tick gotten a live action reboot now on uh, amazon but it's basically just really dumb useless superheroes trying to save the day that's it and the tick is like the, one of the strongest ones uh the, my absolute favorite though is dexter's lab Dexter is a super genius whose sister is exceptionally annoying and always tries to break into his lab, which is built underneath his house. And every week he builds a diabolical machine to do something and something goes wrong. And it's left to his sister, who is really annoying, to save the day, uh, especially in my favorite episode, Omelette du Fromage, where... De- where Jeez, Dexter, <laughs> oh yes, Dexter has to revise for his French exam, but he's too busy building a death ray, so he builds a machine to teach himself French whilst he's sleeping. Unfortunately, the record skips and gets stuck on omelette du fromage, so that's all he can say for the entire day. But fortunately, the only question on his French exam is, "What is the French for cheese on it?" <laughs> Such a good cartoon. Everyone needs to watch Dexter's Lab. I've heard of it, but never seen it. Oh, so good, so good. But um, along that went with Powerpuff Girls and loads of other things as well at the time. Again, I was watching them, but people had it at home on Sky and I had to wait to get to a friend's house to see those ones. Um, ending out the 90s, though, is my absolute favourite cartoon from the 90s. And this is one, again, people seem to have forgotten. It's, a, it's only from the UK, as far as I'm aware. I don't think it really travelled. But... Uh, from 1990 to 1995, it's the Dreamstone. I used to dream myself to somewhere else each night. I now, this is a really sort of um, dark cartoon because it's set on a planet in the middle of nowhere or possibly the center of the universe, we're never quite sure, that has two halves to it. It is the land of dreams and the land of nightmares or the land of darkness. Uh, and in the land of darkness, the Lord of Nightmares, um, he is trying to get hold of the Dreamstone, which will control everybody's dreams throughout the universe and all of creation. 
and very dark, very um, menacing character, and very scary. The, the voice, if you ever get to uh, listen to the, the trailer for Dreamstone, the voice of Zordrak, who is the Lord of Nightmares, very intimidating, very scary. My sister would not stay in the room with me while it was on. It was very, very scary. Um, but uh, it got very, very popular at the time. So popular, in fact, it had its own soundtrack. Now, Mike Batt is the man who uh, composed this, and it was a classical piece of music. It was an actual album, and they built an entire season of Dreamstone around the classical piece of music, and they made it into a saga for the entire show. Um, so popular, in fact, that one of the songs, the war song for the Erpneys, who are the evil minions of Zordrak, uh, they have uh, their own song, the kind of war march song, and they had Billy Connolly, they had Frank Bruno, and Ozzy Osbourne do the vocals of the Erpneys for this piece of music. Um, and I think I gave a, uh, a link to Paul on this one. But it's well worth a look. And I still listen to that piece of music, War Song of the Erpneys, when I'm trying to march to work, because it's such a good way of getting you started in the morning. Uh, we are the Erpneys. So good. Um, but it is like listening to a classical album classical piece of music but you've got a cartoon to go with it um there's a really good theme tune uh, better than a dream uh, which was then covered by katie melua and released into the charts about 10 years after and it's purely because mike bat who composed the classical piece of music is her manager so he basically just earned two lots of money out of the same song um one is a theme tune and one for katie melua uh but the dreamstone if you ever get a chance to watch it sean uh, if it ever if it somehow gets its way to Canada, do watch it. It is a grown-up cartoon, but it was made on a kids' channel and well worth a look. I'll definitely keep my eye out for the Red Van. Mm-hmm. But better than a dream. I, I know it's a bit morbid to think of this, but if I ever had like a playlist for my funeral, better than a dream is one of those very sweet songs that I think would be really good for like a. You know that the final send-off it's better than a dream life is wonderful um you know it's been great to meet you but you know time to move on and it's a very very nice very um grown-up cartoon when you really think about it wow you're not that getting, you're not getting the yeah. so you're not getting the katie mellywood mix on here I'll, I'll get pinged for copyright <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately yeah and uh, katie mellywood ah oh, katie mellywood um anyway. because katie mellywood Good you minute. No idea who that is. Oh, Sean, you'd love her. Um, just look her up after we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of ends my childhood, but I figured that really our childhoods haven't really ended, have they? I mean, we're, no, three, ge- we- we're three geeks on a podcast, aren't we? It's true, and we never even discussed Phineas and Ferb. That's weird. Well, we kind of move into a new era, kind of the grown-up cartoons era. We're not watching them ironically. We're watching them because we actually really like them. Um, Phineas and Ferb, Gravity Falls. Have you seen this one? This is on Disney Plus at the moment. No. Uh, it's It finished a couple of years ago, but they're three seasons, and they were written as three seasons. And the person who wrote them really loved um, Twin Peaks and X-Files and wanted to build a cartoon show that had its own mythos and mythology. So as you were watching it, it would reward constant rewatches because you notice, oh, something in season two pays off three seasons later and all this sort of thing. Gravity Falls, well worth a look. Yeah, Babylon 5, written and conceived as a three-part, three-season series cartoon show. Really well worth a look. But 
again didn't watch it in my childhood watching it in my ch- children's childhood exactly. and they they love the show and now i love the show and is there any cartoons that you guys have watched because of your kids Phineas and Ferb, like I mentioned, of course. Uh, not really, no. I'm sure there's more, but I can't think of Then, of course, you've got animation for the grown-ups, the ones that we shouldn't be watching with the kids. Uh, now, I put links in there as, of course, you've got Family Guy, you've got Simpsons, and you've got South Park. Very, very offensive South Park, uh, which you can never watch with the kids. Um, there's Rick and Morty as well. Have you guys got into Rick and Morty? I've only seen a couple episodes. No, my lad uh, said I should watch it. I sort of started watching one, and then I didn't think too much of it. But uh, no, Rick and Morty. I mean, very very smart sci-fi. When you really start getting into it, um, the first season can be difficult because it's very frenetic and very fast, and you're not entirely sure where it's going. But by the time you get into season two, three, four, and they start doing callbacks to previous episodes. There's a time travel episode where time keeps splitting it, but you're watching all four timelines all at the same time on the screen. So that divergent timeline is happening whilst that one's also happening, whilst that one's always happening. You have to watch all four corners of the screen and you can rewatch the episode several times to figure out where it's all going. And then it's how they collapse it all back down to one single reality by the end of the episode. Really, really clever Um, sci-fi. Very gross. And then in some areas, very sort of David Cronenberg, body horror, so there's other elements that could be very unsettling if you don't like that and don't like your horror, but the sci-fi stuff they do in that show, it's the reason why I think Mike Mahanan got the gig on Lower Decks because it, it obviously proves he knows his sci-fi and there's a lot of Star Trek references all the way through Rick and Morty. Uh, yeah, that's and that's true. why he got, he, that's why he got to do Lower Decks. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I've only seen a couple episodes of Rick and Morty, but uh, over on Netflix, I've been enjoying Castlevania, mm. uh, The mm. Dragon Prince, Disenchantment. Uh, there, there's a few other ones. Disenchantment has my one of my favorite um, under. I, well, I think he's underrated uh, actors. I'm desperately trying to remember his name. He does the voice of the prince. Is it the prince or the king? One of the two. And he also does voiceovers on Absolute 80s. Absolute 80s! Mm-hmm. That rings a bell. Oh, come on. What's his name? He's also in Toast of London. And the oh, IT Matt Berry. Matt Berry. Thank Matt, you very much. Matt Berry. Matt Berry has one of the most <laughs> fabulous British voices I've ever heard. Absolute 80s. The UK's only 80s radio station is... Absolute haters. Absolute haters. Here for good. Well, for now. We are called Absolute Haters. It's just an amazing voice. I mean, that's how he talks. I mean, it's just, he just walks around London going, Hello, I'm Matt Berry. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, when you, when you hear him talking normally, that's his voice, but on you know, quite a level, then he just hams it up for some fabulous uh, parts <laughs> yeah the it crowd was amazing and toast of london is incredible bizarre that's just it though your know, adults will be getting into all the kinds of animations there's another one that my kids were watching um, star and the forces of evil 
and it's got Alan Tudyk, who has done loads of different uh, voices for Disney and everything like this. But he does about six or seven voices in the entire cartoon because they know that he has that ability. He can create loads of different characters with just a single change in his voice. And he's fantastic in Resident Alien as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Oh, have you seen uh, Invincible over on Amazon Prime? Oh, yes. There's Very... a cartoon for you. <laughs> a little yes. bit violent, I'd say. Oh, just a little bit. Little yeah. Bit, just a tad. But yeah, the, the, the premise of it being that there, if there was a super Superman in the real world, however, he is evil he is dark and he does all these horrible things and his son is the one who's going to have to challenge him and they have to kind of train him up to be able to fight his dad who is basically superman yeah. um really really dark and uh yeah very over the top with the violence as well very much so yeah mm. as far as sort of adult cartoons there was kind of an explosion late noughties early 2010s where they would take cartoons from the 70s and redouble them to make them funny again and or in some other sort of vein my favorite one is c lab 2021 they redubbed a 70s cartoon called C-Lab 2020, but then they took all the same animation and they just put new voices over the top of it. And it's just them being inept people running this C-Lab under the <laughs> sea. Um, it's just really stupid. Uh, it, it, I think it only lasted about a year or two, but well worth a check out because um, it, it's basically, if you took, um, a real cartoon that was trying to take itself seriously and then made airplane into that cartoon. So there's background gags, there's over the top redubs. They take um, the same reel of footage, play it over and over and over again, and then play uh, around with the footage, play, you know, doing its uh, thing over and over and over again. I'm not making any sense by how I'm describing this, but it is really weird and well worth a look because they are taking this old animation and sort of playing around with it. Um, and the other thing I got into just to finish off is uh, with computer games, there were games at the advent of being able to animate games by hacking into the game itself and taking the code and then using it to make animation and rooster teeth made red versus blue, which was using the halo game hacked to pieces to create a cartoon. And they had the red team in one side of the, the map, the blue team on the other side of the map, and they are the worst, most inept versions of themselves uh, who cannot be, work out how to take the base on the other side of the map. And it lasted for about six years. And it's just these two teams of inept 
uh, Halo Master Chief type characters who just cannot take the other side's base, no matter how hard they try. Uh, it, the first opening scene for the first episode is just uh, the two ca- characters on the red team just standing there looking up at the sky saying, why are we here? And the other guy says, I don't know, man. Why are we here? What is the meaning of life? What is it all about? I don't know. It really keeps me up at night. And the other guy just says, no, why are we actually here? I have no idea. What's our mission? What are we supposed to be doing? Do you need to talk to someone? I mean, are you okay? And it's just that for five minutes. And it was just so good and so over the top. But that's where I'm going to end because kind of animation is just somewhere between adult and childhood now. So we're kind of, can we say it's from our childhood if we're still enjoying it today? Way to end on a high note. Yes. <laughs> Some highbrow moments of us discussing discussing cartoons. Yeah, you, you, you have to grow up, but you don't have to get old. Nicely put. There we go. That's no, a way no, to end off the three parts. No, you have to get old. You just don't have to grow up. <laughs> Either way, enjoy <laughs> life. <laughs> I, I tell you what, though, there's something, something has been keeping me awake all, all all week this week. You know, we've seen cartoons, and and this this has not been addressed in cartoons. It, it's a, it's a real problem that's that's keeping me awake all night. How do dragons blow out candles? <laughs> With great difficulty. Mm. Yeah, it's just something that's been bugging me. Um, <laughs> The other thing is, have, have you guys heard that um, they're, they're recasting and rebooting uh, The Naked Gun? Yes. And Liam Neeson, isn't it? Liam Neeson, yes. That's going to be interesting. Mm. Because my first thought was, but he hasn't done comedy. But then Leslie Nielsen had never done comedy until he took on Naked Gun, well, a police squad, and, and then mm. later on Naked Gun. So you never know. If he's got a good sense of humour and maybe uh, a, a certain set of skills, he might be able to actually pull it off. That's right, because you remember Liam Neeson. No, not Liam Neeson. Leslie Nielsen was the straight-laced commander in Forbidden Planet. That's right. Yeah. That's right. He was a, he was a serious... Um, he played, he played um, in westerns and doctors and all sorts of things. So, yeah, he was a, he was a serious um, actor up until that point. Mm. But he was the, also the straight man in Airplane. Like at no point does he break for the gag. He is delivering a serious performance. Yes. It's just so exactly. funny because everything else around him is so uh, outrageous. Surely you can't be serious. <laughs> there. A hospital? Oh. What is it? A big building <laughs> with beds in it, but it's not important right now. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, there we go. So mm. I thought I'd just throw that throw that in. Yeah. Uh, and uh, one more bit of news for the listeners. Um, it has been decided uh, by me, mostly, uh, that uh, Cosmic Pizza Podcast will no longer be a bi-weekly uh, podcast. We are actually going to drop it down to our monthly podcast. And the reason for that is because we also do another podcast called The Epsilon 3, which uh, we record every two weeks. And we do two episodes each two weeks, and then we throw them out. How long? Two, Sorry, two weeks. Two weeks. <gasps> two, two weeks. weeks. Uh, and unfortunately, it interferes with trying to edit the cosmic pizza and prep for the next um, episode of the Epsilon, and it's it's quite time consuming at the weekends for me. So um, it's easy for me if I can just drop this down to a monthly podcast, and we'll see how that goes. Basically, yeah. What's up? It's understandable because I've taken Soulforge podcast down to every two weeks and sometimes weekly. It just depends on how it goes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not going to stop us throwing out. If something we we find something really good, we can throw that out and and um, oh, yeah. do that. Yeah, we'll play it by ear. Exactly. Just don't just don't expect it every second week. That's right. <laughs> it will actually come out probably the first week in every month. Is uh, the way I've I've scheduled it at the moment, which seems to be okay. And it doesn't interfere with uh, the uh, the Epsilon three. So there we go. Uh, the other thing is that means that the next episode that comes out. Uh, so where are we now? I'm looking at this. This episode will come out on the seventh of December. So it means basically we will take a month to the fourth of January when we come back, and we've done this before. We come back at the start of the year. With our old old friend, she's not old. Uh, our friend, old friend of the show, Casey, with some more conspiracy yeah. theories. Ooh, yeah. How about that? Very nice. I think um, that there hasn't been enough conspiracy theories recently. I, I think the government are, are, are holding them back and, and quashing them. Sounds about right. Absolutely. Yeah. And on that note, Dan, take us out. <laughs> well, the uh, grease in the box is cold and our special is done. And I hope you're full to the brim of all of our cartoons from the childhood throughout this three-part series. And uh, all I can say is uh, hopefully you will come back next time to listen to us on the Cosmic Pizza podcast. We've been your deliverers today. Please leave a tip at the door by subscribing for future deliveries. Rate and review our service, and we hope you come back for more helpings next time. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and TikTok by searching for the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. If you'd like to send us an MP3 file, you can email us on cosmicpizzapodcast at gmail.com, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. Toby. What's hay cockalorum? Well, for me, it's pies to eat, free beer, and somewhere to sleep warm when it rains. Oh, that hay cockalorum. Oh, I can that one. Hay cockalorum means lots of things to me. On Saturday night in Glasgow, we are lassie on my knee. The swirl of a kilt and the magic lilt of a healing pipe and drop. Oh, it's really grand, oh, you understand. It's pipe cry up the lump. And we bring along to sing a song and bring a wee wee charm. It's good for hey, hungry, hey, cockalorum. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.